For the inaugural episode of the Alston Pudding podcast, I sat down with Neuropathy, the one-person black metal project of Robbie Groden. I've been sort of a tangential black metal fan for a while, but I'm definitely a novice when it comes to this subgenre. So when Robbie reached out to me about discussing his debut album, The Deafening, I felt like it was a great opportunity to have a Virgil-esque figure guide me through the genre. The interview is going to be divided into two parts. In this first episode, you'll hear Robbie give me a walkthrough of black metal's origins, aesthetics, history, and what bands to check out, and who to probably avoid. In part two, we're going to go track by track through Neuropathy's The Deafening. Anyway, without further ado, let's plunge into the darkness together, friends. but I'm really excited to do this kind of interview. So like, yeah. like I said, like I'm not um, like super familiar with like black metal, like either as it stands now in a contemporary setting or um, I guess like, I know it, it's also like, you know, it's been going on yeah. a subgenre for it's been going on for like 30, 40 years almost at this point. Uh, 40-ish years. Yeah. yeah um 82 was basically when it like started hell yeah so if any of that like history comes up i would yeah love some filling in but like first i kind of want to get to talking about this album i'm just gonna i'm so bad with album names and song (laughs) titles that uh oh yeah yeah no pull it up the deafening the deafening yeah yeah. so i had spotify open i was just i was like the past two hours i like threw it on twice to just sort of keep it like fresh uh in nice in the brain but i ended up the first time i was like you know this is i know it's like metal but this is kind of relaxing too at Mm. times and then the second time i put it on i fully took a nap so I really listen oh, really? to it like one, one and a half times. I that's can nap. Cool. I can nap to like anything. Uh, no, I like that. That's actually honestly the highest compliment is if somebody falls asleep <laughs> listening to my music. Yeah, no, it was pretty, especially um, so a horror in Rams cloth. I was like, yeah, I was like, all right, this this is like a, a nine minute track. So this is <laughs> this is gonna. I bet this is gonna go some places. Uh, and yeah. the second half, I was just like, whoa, this is. This is a vibe. Like there are parts of it that reminded me a lot of like ambient music that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Well, I mean, I definitely like. I have a very diverse set of musical tastes. Like metal is my favorite music to create. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, on any given day, I could be listening to like shit, like French classical piano. I could be listening to. You know, I'm a big fan of minimalists. Like I went to school for music tech, which you know was basically electronic music composition, where you study classical music throughout different periods, leading mm-hmm. up to like more modern stuff, like John Cage and Philip Glass, and and so like I mean, my favorite band's Chumbawamba, man. Like there's like <laughs> I don't know if you know, but they're like this British punk band. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because yeah, aren't they way more like a narco punk than that one single? Oh yeah. Like oh, Let's very. On. Yeah. Yeah, very. That one signal single was like them joking about pop music. <laughs> yeah. And like and like all the shit's like kill pop stars and then like all of a sudden they became one. Which is like fucking hilarious. But no, like I love that shit. I mean, my first concert was a Britney Spears concert, you know what I'm saying? Like oh, oh hell yeah. So yeah, like I have so basically like I try to find, you know, on the one hand, I wanted to be like, okay, I'm not gonna make I can't say when people make albums where they're like, this is a punk album with jazz influences and dnb breaks and it's just like you're like all right what the fuck am i listening to like you're trying too hard so i I was like i'll set out to make a black metal record and then whatever else just kind of comes in comes in you know what Mm -hmm. i mean um 
And so, yeah, that was like, so some of the more ambient stuff definitely comes in. Definitely. Like I like a lot of post rock, uh, shoegaze. Uh, yeah. I can um, hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like black metal, like I think deaf heaven kind of, um, they brought in that black gaze type of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Because I was, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so like basically my three contemporary forays into black metal. And these are like three bands that I really like, but I haven't really like gone beyond would be like death heaven and liturgy who I know yes. are both like, like sort of like they're black metal, but they're also like black metal adjacent where there's like, the yeah. purest like they the purists hate all both yeah. all that shit i mean yeah. liturgy's latest release hunter hunt hendrix she made a um black metal trap opera yeah i was just listening i mean not just listening to that but like a month ago i uh, only just heard about it um it's great so yeah check all of that her out. music is fucking insane yeah uh and their drummer is uh their, their drummer is great um oh, fuck what's his Didkovsky, Nick, uh, not Nick. Um, so I know the drummer's dad, Nick Didkovsky. Um, he's a professor at NYU. I did some work with him, and they have a band together called Vomit Fist, which is um, like grindcore, like thrashy grindcore, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. So like that whole New York scene just is so artistic and like awesome. And yeah, Def Heaven, I've seen them a handful of times. Like they really like they brought black metal to pitchfork so like yeah. love them love them or hate them like they did that yeah i i think i had just gotten into liturgy like the year before when when yeah. sunbather dropped and then because i like historically canonically i'm a big big shoegaze nice uh, fan um but when that when that dropped it was like oh this is this is incredible <laughs> yeah <laughs> this it's is a phenomenal album. this is the right combination of two things think i've got it right oh hell yeah right here <laughs> a big fan of all things deaf heaven related i saw them and uh if you like shoegaze have you heard of envy no they're, they're a japanese so. post-rock shoegaze band they did a lot of work with thursday back in like the early 2000s okay. and uh i saw them opening for deaf heaven at royale like eight years ago something crazy i don't know 10 years ago it was like okay, a religious cool. experience man like that was probably one of the best shows i've ever seen in my life footsteps in the distance is the song it's like the song okay that like it, yeah it has like almost a half million listens on spotify which is criminally low like it's got it it has four hundred and twenty thousand six hundred. oh my god you're right six, four, <laughs> it's 42069 baby nice <laughs> yeah. that's oh my god so memeable. so don't listen to it because you're gonna fuck that up i know yeah now i feel i'll youtube it and it won't go yeah, against they, the spotify <laughs> but you could also be the one oh man if oh, only you got i gotta take a screenshot before. real quick that is perfect perfect but yeah no it just like i mean just going back to like the you know bringing in different influences i think is really important and i i actually before we at one point i have to talk to you about the follow-up to this album because you're going to really like that but okay. um what was so what was you said there were three bands though but you oh uh oh you. the other was uh wolves in the throne throne room. yes i love i think wolves is a little more like you know like post black standard black, okay yeah. so it's all right so they've got because they're like post. more shoegazy so wolves in the throne okay. room they're from portland i believe um somewhere in the pacific northwest okay and i was um, gonna ask is it the oregon one or oh yeah one? oregon and so black metal out there is a lot different it's a lot more ambient and so wolves in the throne room basically their whole premise was making music about the beauty of the nature out there so mm-hmm. that's why they have these they do very, have those like, kind of covers with it are yeah. very like they're sort of grainy photos, but they have like very lush uh, foliage. Yeah. They're really good. They um, I missed them when they came here last at once ballroom, but apparently the show ended up like they lit a bowl of like smudge sticks or whatever, and then like set off the fire alarm, and then like the fire department came and like shut it down or whatever. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. So I'm kind of glad I skipped out on that one, but I'll see them eventually. No, yeah. So um. And so I think there's a band. So Deaf Heaven happened. And then there's a band that I want to say maybe like four years ago, roughly came into 
came out and really changed things again. They're called Batushka. And um, what How do you spell that? Uh, B-A-T-U-S-H-K-A. And okay. what Batushka did was they took the OG black metal aesthetic. Because the thing about Death Heaven is they don't have a black metal aesthetic at all. They have a shoegaze aesthetic, but they have black metal elements like black metal drums and vocals. The rest of it, the guitars are all and the aesthetic is all shoegaze. Batushka went in the opposite direction. They're like, we're going to take the black metal aesthetic. So they come out in these dark robes, these Eastern, the same robes that Eastern Orthodox like priests wear, which are fucking scary looking as shit. Um, I actually saw their first North American show ever in New York. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. They have the whole thing where they come out swinging the little incense. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hope shit. And I mean, they've got like two guitarists. They have a three guys who just chant. They do like chanting. So they get the whole aesthetic in there. But they just I think they just hyper produced the album because black metal historically is known for very low production value like Kralis. So another one of the New York, um, I think they're New York, I want to say um, black metal art, artsy like liturgy. They fall into the same uh, same group of people, really. Their most recent album, they recorded the drums with an iPhone sitting on the floor of their studio. And this is like one of the biggest <laughs> like black metal bands. And it sounds like it, you know. But that's like the aesthetic. These guys were like, no, we're going to produce the shit out of this album, make it crisp and clear. Batushka took the world by storm. Their album is one of those albums where there's no bad songs on it. And then right. immediately after that album, they started touring. Everything fell apart because so they're Polish. But uh, that, and of course, you know, you can't really do black metal in Poland. Um, it's there. There's literally laws against it. Obscenity laws. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, because isn't isn't like there especially with a lot of the older european acts isn't there like actually a history of like like some of the stuff they were singing about they were actually doing like setting churches well yeah so that's in, like the scandinavian areas where you've mm -hmm. got like in like um um in like sweden mainly um mm -hmm. but what act and in norway what really was ha the issue with poland is that they just have a fascist government that like is just hyper religious and okay. anything that's like heretical at all so um uh behemoth behemoth they are a blackened uh death metal band um they're constantly their singers constantly getting sued by the government because you know he released a song called dog e or god equals dog you know and like mm -hmm. album covers where he's like on a cross or whatever you know, things like that where it's basically just poking at the religion but they actually will like you can go to jail for that out there <laughs> So they, they, they were super secretive about who was in the band. And then because of that, people started fighting over who wrote the music and who owns the band. They did one of those things where they split up and now there's two Batushkas and they both suck. So <laughs> it's just like the band. All right. But, so what, what is the Batushka album that I'm... Uh, that it's I called Litur Liturgia. Liturgia. Basically. Oh, lit cool. Yeah. So, they, so what they did, though, is they actually made black metal cool again. Because black metal has been a bit of a joke in the community. Mm -hmm. um and why is it a joke well because it's historically you've got very repetitive songs that are like nine minutes long that are incredibly low quality like literally as low quality as you can possibly make it like get the cheapest amp and shove a um screwdriver in it and get your shittiest microphone and record it in directly onto a tape um in fact uh some of the original black metal bands they didn't even know how to like really play drums, like do like the blast beats. So what they would do is they would record a, a typical four on the floor beat and then they would redub it over and do the extra bass hits. <laughs> so um, Nifty. yeah, it, it yeah. It, and it sounded like it. So it's not it's not very smooth. It's sloppy. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be just off the beat. So that plus the fact that, yeah, there was this edginess with like, you know, in the 90s of them like saying, oh, we should actually burn churches and then going and burning the churches. The problem is like the people who did that, like, I mean, the main guy who was behind that Varg, uh, he was, you know, he made music. Is that the guy who's person. like actually a murderer too? He's actually a murderer. He killed his bandmate. He's also in like the biggest racist piece of shit. on. Yeah, him. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Basically not, not to leave that as the third. No, thing. Yeah. Like, the, oh, he burned churches. But uh, also he's a murderer. Also, oh, it's a racist. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you know, it's, like it, a, it's a trifecta. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the the racist shit is the is the big icing on the cake. And so it, basically, if anybody listens to Burzum, they're just like they they okay, just, that's the band. Are, yeah, yeah, that, that's just like edge lord bullshit. So like 
So it, it is very much an ed, edgelord thing. And like there's there's they're basically like these were Dungeons and Dragons fans who like thought just wanted to dress up like badass warriors and like hang out in their mom's basements. But then they actually did the things that they like sang about. So that's, you know, take that for what it is. Stabbing <laughs> your bandmates and like murdering random people in the park. And... You know, some people have LARPing and <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that kind of obviously when you when that's like. Now that's like your second wave of black metal. The first wave of black metal, you've got like other bands like Venom, um, who actually Venom in 1982 released a song called Black Metal. And they basically took this like punk aesthetic and applied it to, you know, old, 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 old school metal. And that like, you know, if you can basically imagine if, um, I don't know, like one of the OG punk bands teamed up with Black Sabbath, you've basically got like, first wave black metal right Mm -hmm. and that was some good shit and then and yeah you've got like bathory which is very like you know they're singing about like you know viking ships and and this that and the other thing and waking up and battling in the in the dewy mist you know it's very like it's very dungeons and Mm dragons-esque myth lore so yeah i mean obviously you look at today's metal heads are going to be like they're, they just want to drink and smoke and fuck. And they're like, <laughs> what the hell are you losers talking about? You know? Um, so what wave are, are we of black metal are we on now? That's Is it like, because everyone's I mean, talking about fifth wave emo. I've, and I'm like, um, what the, where, who's man, what are they call- I, I want to say that they're like in fourth wave or whatever, but I okay. could still be wrong. I mean, like, I feel like at this point, like, I mean, really, you don't really talk about that. You basically talk about like the two waves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you basically talk about you've got the first wave of black metal, which is like, again, Venom. You've got Bathory, Hellhammer, Merciful Fate, who, you know, the lead singer is uh, King Diamond. Um, so and then you've got like the second wave. And the, I'd say the second wave is more what my album is trying to throw back to. So that's okay. like Dark Throne. Um, you know, well, that's yeah, where you've I've got... heard about them. Great. So a lot of this yeah. is like stuff that like, so like all the Burzum stuff is like, I, yeah. I have like read about that and I've like totally. heard them. It's what it's like. It's not like, about. obviously I like didn't remember their name. So it's just like, yeah. there was, there was that band with the really awful sound. Guy. Burzum is like, Burzum is to like black metal. What like um, Van Halen's brown M&Ms are to rock and roll. You know what I mean? It's just like that story that everyone knows that is kind of interesting, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that, that shit all came from Norway. And honestly, like black metal, just after all the killings and everything, you know, it kind of divided and well, so it went underground, right? So black metal goes underground in like the mid nineties, let's say. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a uh, accredited historian, so some of my dates might be a little off. But basically, it goes underground, and it, it largely is in like the tape trading circles. So it becomes one of those subgenres like power electronics and like uh, noise, where you basically, you know, you make your cassette. Um, black metal is very well known for the the one man black metal bands. So like, it's kind of a there's a meme where it's like, you know, some like loser guy car you know the loser guy cartoon where he's like saying to a random girl who like doesn't want to talk to him like hey you want to hear my one man black metal project <laughs> like no we don't need more of those and i'm guilty now of doing that but whatever <laughs> um say la vie so and that comes because varg was like did that with burzum one man black metal band um ne- he never played a live show thank god because nobody needs to hear his bullshit live um and you know so it goes underground it goes into tape trading and very few black metal bands really like got noticed in like the late 90s early 2000s it just wasn't a thing and then of course like all good um sub genres eventually it just comes back and what we start getting is this concept of blackened music so blackened music is you know what what you think you take um, death metal and you add some of that black metal aesthetic to it. And boom, now you've got blackened death metal, which I do. I've been referring to the album as blackened death metal, but in a recent review uh, by noob heavy, 
they called it deathened black metal because it really is black metal, but like with other influences rather than the black metal influence on other things. So you've got like, de um, okay, so a lot of blackened grind. So I, I think you could even think of the band that I was in armpits as being bla uh, blackened grindcore. So grindcore, if you think about it, it's punk music that's faster and louder and sloppier. And if you, you know, add that really low quality recording aesthetic to it, it just kind of becomes blackened by nature. Like, in fact, when Armpit started, the before I joined it, actually, before they had a bassist, their quality was so shitty that like people would book them on black metal shows thinking that they were black metal, but they were really grindcore. And then when they notice, oh, all these songs are 20 seconds long, like, and these guys are just like spitting out beer whatever um but like one of the and one of the other things that i think really became popular and if you think about the time when it went underground it's during the satanic panic right it's during the time where satanism and evil things are just kind of like not really embraced uh and and become like really like if, if you embrace that you don't get to play shows so um the black metal aesthetic is like a very common part of the black metal aesthetic is like the St. Peter's cross, which is yeah. the upside down cross, yeah. which, you know, look, here's the thing I, I have. I think about Satanism and everything, right? If you actually believe oh, in Satan here, <laughs> if you're act, yeah, if you're actually like using this aesthetic, you're a Christian band, you're just the bad yeah. guy in a Christian band. And so I avoid, it's that. actually always bugged me that yeah. the uh, St. Peter's cross is always so prevalently used because I'm like, it's, that's not about Satan. You're actually it's like, it's actually like more reverent to Jesus. Cause Precisely. the whole point is that like St. Peter was like, I don't, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same position as my Lord. So please Absolutely. flip that motherfucker upside down. And so it's like, <laughs> so like you're actually like more reverent to Jesus than just say it like, wearing a normal cross and I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And so you're basically buying into the, the Christian rhetoric anyway. And so for me, like, you know, that's, that's the one thing about my, that's the one thing that makes it hard for me to say, this is like true black metal. Cause there's no Satanism or mm -hmm. any of that. And now, now if you look at it, it sounds very like the lyrics might sound very satanic. And um, so the second track, um, especially, uh, a horn ram. No, sorry. The third track, a horn ram's cloth. The lyrics um, are actually a lot of it is taken from a Gnostic poem, a Gnostic manuscript called mm -hmm. um, "The Thunder Perfect Mind," and I don't think anybody knows who wrote it because it was just like found. Um, but for me, it has zero to do with religion. So, like for me, and I, and you know, this is entirely a, a feminist anthem, and not just a feminist like you know, cis woman feminist anthem. This is just about, it's a lot about gender identity. It's a lot about mm. the strength of women. It's a lot about, you know, the um, kind of like breaking down the binary and like realizing that we all are on this spectrum of like gender and like, yeah. And so the whole point behind this was like, to me, it sees like, you know, women have been treated like slaves. And this is about like, we are women are the people who are keeping our society going literally, because if you think back in these times, procreation was like, like we were not in a society where like you throw a stone and you hit 50 people, like numbers were constantly dwindling. So um, it was all about like, how do we make more people? How do we grow our societies? Mm -hmm. um, and so women are obviously, you know, biological women are kind of behind that. Um, but beyond that, the role of women in society was always looked down upon. And, and this, this poem was literally more about like women play so many vital roles in society and, and, and are constantly being cast aside. And so this was entirely again about gender, but this poem, there were like the lines of this poem that really spoke out to me is I am, I am the whore and the Holy one. I am the wife and the virgin. It's this, like, it's, it just points out the same dichotomy that like fucking Ariana Grande is out there singing about right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want me to be everything you want me to be. You want me to to have kid. You know, you want me to you want me to be a sex icon, but you want me to be pure. You want me to be like, um, you know, this divine woman, but you also cast me aside and you don't let me have the same 
privileges as men. It definitely feeds into the aesthetic by, you know, going that route um, of talking religiously. But for me, like, you know, the whole Satanism, you know, um, you know, blood, you know, like lamb's blood and everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I fucking love the aesthetic, right? The dark mm -hmm. aesthetic is fun and all, but like there is a bit of an edgelordness to it that just like you're trying too hard. So I try in the artwork, especially I tried to kind of come up with my own aesthetic, which was just this like trying yeah. to just take the emotion of the music and make it real. I'm seeing in your like artist image on Bandcamp, like you have like it looks sort of like a bag or a hood over your head. <laughs> it's Almost a black with, with blanket like... and uh, okay. IKEA, Ikea string lights. Yeah, it's in the, <laughs> yeah, the light necklace. Yeah, it looks, it looks really good. I mean, like, thank you. I love you know the use of like sort of every day because you can't really on, i mean there was i'm trying to bring up a, a bigger yeah 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 that i was uh, trying to get and i just kind of was walking around like what in my house can i use to make this happen i don't know i don't really i didn't think too much about it i just kind of got this inspiration no i think that's the the best though like i don't know i've done i've done some things where i was like i i want to i have like a concept in my mind of like and i want it to be a photo Yes, um, exactly. But, um, you know, how do I execute? So I, what I had in mind was like uh, a light shining down a tunnel, basically. Um, mm. And so I ended up just like shutting the lights in my room off and like using a, a roll of like paper towels um, or well, you, what, you know, the center of a roll and then just having a flashlight shine at the other end while I held like I love that the paper towel roll against my camera and it turned it came out you know so, honestly better than I anticipated yeah so so here's the cassette actually and okay, um, cool, cool. inside it I'll, I'll see if I can show yeah you. oh so I wanted to ask about the name neuropathy There's, uh yeah it's another view of like oh the, hell yeah the face yeah see I yeah I, I love that and it's like, like staring at you you don't look you don't look at and think oh that was like a DIY cheaply done thing. You, yeah. Like, that... Well, a large part of that, I want to give credit to my partner, Julie Vera, whose name's in the credits here. She helped okay. out a lot with the image manipulation and with the layout and the, the overall artwork and packaging that we put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. It was, we don't want this to be like, it's a DIY project, but I want this to be something that I would go and talk to you about. I would like, oh, yeah. you know, if I'm going to send this out to people and be like, Hey, review my album. I don't want them to be like, Oh, what five-year-old made this in arts and crafts time. <laughs> I want it to be like, Holy shit. There's a whole team of people behind this because then it makes me really proud of the fact that I did. I mean, I did this nuts and bolts pretty much myself, like from writing the music, I played all the instruments there. My, I asked my buddy to contribute a solo just cause I love his guitar work. Was that the one on the last song? Yeah, and the last song, there's okay. two guitar solos. The first yeah. one, it sounds pretty obvious that it wasn't me. It was no, yeah, no, the, it sounded like there was a, a pretty radically different, not like yeah. radically different, uh, yeah. but just a very different guitar tone than what anything that had previously appeared. And yeah, I was very like, proggy. I think, yeah. Yeah. So I, that was well, I couldn't tell if it was that or the vocals because I was like, mm -hmm. black metal vocals, like I can't necessarily <laughs> discern one person's like guttural oh, totally. yell from another's, but me either. So I actually, but I did guess that it was, it was probably that's awesome. Guitar. Yeah, no, is that so? And then mixing, I even mastered it myself, which typically you're not supposed to master yourself. But I was like, no, I'm gonna do this myself. <laughs> the artwork, I mean, the picture I found on a lot of the images I found online for free, did the manipulation. So like, I want it to be something where like, you know, nuts and bolts, like, this is just me all over it. You know what I mean? And, um. And I had some some help, you know, a friend of mine who's actually a very accomplished musician, you know, he gave me a lot of advice, like he would listen to it. And then like, um, it, it's funny, he's actually a like, fairly world famous drum and bass producer. Um, but like, oh, so cool. for him to like be helping me out with like, a black metal album was, you know, it seems kind of funny, but like, he's just a talented guy. I feel like there's actually as um, as someone who like, listens to a lot of electronic subgenres and has gone to a lot of shows. I feel like there is like a lot of crossover of like, like former metal kids yeah. who have like sort of found like Skrillex. You mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, literally. <laughs> exactly. Skrillex, yeah. yeah. No, totally. I mean, and that's the thing is like, I, I've, I have a lot of friends in the electronic 
music scene. I mean, I you know I did the uh, the Together Festival stuff since their second oh, year. Oh, oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah. Good. So through that, and you know, going to school for music and having you know my best friend's a tour manager who's worked with uh, like Claude von Stroke and all that. So I oh, find myself around Claude. these these guys. Yeah. I mean, I like EDM. Like, I'm not like a bass head or whatever, but like, um, you know, it's fun going to the shows and shit. I do like drum and bass. I do I actually. It's funny. Like, I um before I was really working on this project, every now and then I go on my Twitch stream and I'll do like drum and bass and grime DJ. Oh sets. hell yeah, yeah. So like, you know, there's definitely a lot of crossover there. I like I like shit that's dark and heavy. I don't give a fuck what instruments you use. To yeah, make it. honestly, sometimes I'll be listening to like some really heavy and dark techno and i'll be like this is this is like metal for me yeah exactly like, exactly shit like uh, ball um yeah uh b-a-a-l i don't know yeah anyway yeah. no i, I, might, have, I might have added one too many l's but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, like also also that's an act that is going for sort of that like similar to metal because their name is ball which is like a yeah a pagan a uh, yeah well it's a demon but actually it's just like a like a probably like a phoenician or other like mesopotamian deity that you know event like gradually over the years of a brahmic religion trying to erase yep. all that <laughs> Boo, like, actually evil. it's a demon yeah yeah right no it's funny and actually so while we're on that subject another act that i want to mention when we talk about history and one you should definitely check out is called zeal and ardor um, I don't think you've okay. heard of them. So zeal and ardor. I won't go too much into the history. You should definitely read up about it. Like multi-instrumentalist who just one day, like, you know, he's mixed race and through a pretty shitty, uh, through a shitty way. I mean, obviously there's a lot of racism in black metal, um, learns about black metal and has the in inspiration to do a black metal mashup with like old slave music. And oh, like wow. old slave songs. And it's basically like, I, I, so slaves would adopt. Is that, is that this one, Stranger Fruit? Yes. Okay. So sla like in the, in the U.S., African-American slaves would take on the, you know, they were forced to take the religion of their masters, which they embraced mm. because, of course, religion gives you, you know, it gives you hope. And um, so his ba the basic theme of the music was what if uh, slaves took on Satanism instead? What would those sound songs sound like? And um, the music is amazing. The live shows are insane. And again, they kind of just like Def Heaven, but more so because they're a little more. I'd say they're more on the black metal side than Def Heaven. They brought black metal to Pitchfork, to the Pitchfork scene. Um, and uh, like they all. But the, the reason I mention that is that they're uh, I think it's in Stranger Fruit. One of them has three tracks the intro in the middle and at the end that are basically just edm bangers okay cool like oh, yeah i'm excited really cool for, i'm excited for this yeah the, this is shit that you like i know people who are like i don't like black metal i don't like metal and i show them this and they're like oh i like metal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's the same thing at this point i, I know that there's enough like when you just use sort of a catch-all term umbrella term yeah. for a genre it's like there's enough like subgenres within those like i would like when i if i said i don't like country it's mostly just yeah. like i don't really like pop country but like lately like some of the pop country been been pretty good casey musgraves i, yeah. I have no complaints about but like but then there's a lot like of jewel. other country yeah <laughs> uh Literally, yeah jewel yeah. uh but uh, yeah, I mean, like, and I like a lot of like the older like outlaw stuff. So it's like, yeah, I kind of do like country. <laughs> and so the funny thing on that is there's also a band called Panopticon. They're um, they take bluegrass and like country type music and make it black metal. Mm -hmm. So like they'll have like literally like a banjo playing and then all of a sudden black metal. <laughs> like this is this is constantly happening. Dawn Raid. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dawn Raid, R-A-Y-D. They're getting really big right now. They do like Celtic folk music that goes into black metal. Oh, wow. So like, and they're also anti-fascist. So I love them. Um, <laughs> so, and that's another thing. There's a big anti-fascist movement in black metal, queer and anti-fascist taking yeah. it back. Um, so yeah, it's like black metal is becoming like 
for the people. It's getting taken back and it's fucking awesome. Um, but I, I, I totally like, sorry, I go on. You're, you're talking to me about my most passionate subject. You wanted to talk about the name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, cause I figure like that's a, that's a really good primer for just black metal as a whole. So I, yeah. I appreciate you walking me through all totally. of that. That's uh, added a lot more than like the little I already knew. Yeah. And I think this is the cost of like, I've never been into like, I like a lot of many different things and yeah. I feel like most people do, but I've never had a desire to be like, all right, this is my, this is my scene. Like this scene is my scene. So like, now I know like everything. Totally, yeah. It. And, but, and there's uh, a lot. Of, there are actually some decent books out there as well because the history is so rich. Um, the biggest one is like the most popular one is Lords of Chaos, where there's a lot of first party interviews with the second wave of black metal mm-hmm. uh, artists, which became a movie uh, that Macaulay Culkin's brothers in, which kind of goes through the whole, you know, mayhem. Rory. On the church. Yeah, Rory Culkin. That actually shows you the the whole Burzum, okay. Varg, Vikerns killing people. Yeah, if you actually, it's pretty fucking gory. I gotta tell you, but definitely, if right. you, it's it is a gr- like if you want to, um, I would definitely recommend that if you want to like really know what like the ethos of black metal is and like what it looks like to fans. You know when a movie is just like too loud, like when you're in a movie theater. And oh yeah, yeah. So this was one of those where like it it hurt. It was painful to listen oh, wow. to, but like literally not even halfway through the movie, people were leaving because it's so gory and it's so loud. And the screen at the brattle is massive. Mm-hmm. It was a visceral fucking thing to watch. There was one that was, uh, it was like, I think it was an A24 movie. Anyway, it was about like a haunted dress. Uh, haunted my brother dress. and I, I, I'm blanking on the name. That's I don't want to cool. wait. Yeah, no, it was a cool movie. It was like in the horror vein. But it had like very, very loud sound design, mm. so and, and like very jarring at times. And it's a horror movie, so it's like sort of paced out throughout the movie. Is it um, in fabric? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Cool. I'm watching that shit tonight. Yeah, I love horror movies. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. Um, have you ever seen this one, Terror Train? Have I? It's like it it's like a, a slasher, no. like B like list slasher from '82. Nice. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis though. It was nice. it, it was pitched as let's make Halloween on a train, which just as a premise. So it's like a frat Sold. part. It's a frat party that goes onto a party train. David Copperfield plays a major oh role God. as a magician who <laughs> d- he does like a full routine on the train. Magic comes into play a lot. Oh, so I love the this. first part of the movie. Yeah, it was. I loved this movie so much. Oh it was God. all I watched it all on YouTube for free uh, with subtitles in a language. I don't remember. Anyway, so, the first so, part of the movie is yeah. like you're laughing at this ridiculous premise that um and you're kind of like okay i'm watching this movie um but then the second half genuinely has some of the most creative kills i have ever oh i love that uh like seen in a slasher movie like just really like and to the point where like i honestly thought the killer earned it <laughs> I like love by the those. end also there's a there's a big twist at the end Love uh, you that. know how like a lot of '80s like slasher movies have a twist that like, oh yeah, like, I don't know great. how I feel about your portrayal of this queer subculture. Yeah, uh, this one sort of has that, but it's also yeah. like one of those things where you're like, you're like, no, it's, the killer earned all of this. It's from the '80s. Yeah, you know, no, but the, this one, this one, I, I sincerely believe like the killer earned everything. I, like. And I, I'm I was unfortunate to see them, you know, nice. inevitably check like, it out. fail at the end, like these movies go. But yeah, <laughs> fantastic, awesome, um, yeah. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So now I want to talk about yeah. your black, not just yeah, black metal as a whole, but your your the black pink metal. tape. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, you had mentioned playing in other bands. I guess I kind of want to like. Yeah, for your background as a musician and get into that. Totally. So, I mean, I like when I was growing up, I must have been like fucking four years old when I first heard Black Sabbath's Paranoid. And I think it was the song um, uh, Electric Funeral. 
that just like lit up every fucking neuron in my brain. What do you want to hear? I didn't have a lot of kid friends when I was a kid. I was always that weird kid who was off doing my own thing. I was hyper creative, always had my face in a book like in like camp as a kid. I would sit there with my like cassette player listening to ACDC tapes and shit instead of like participating in whatever dumb shit kids did. <laughs> Um, so like, I always wanted to play guitar. I always wanted to be a rock star. Like every time that I'm in like second grade and I had to do that, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's, I'm going to be a rock star. And, um, you know, uh, I got my first guitar when I was like 14, I want to say. And, um, from there it was just like, I didn't care about anything else. It was just like, all I want to do is play music. All like first riff was uh, crazy train um oh yeah yep fucking great riff and you know i mean like i said my first concert might have been britney spears but my second one was acdc i'm trying um, to i'm gonna remember my first riff now yeah yeah i remember my first chord song but not i can't remember my first riff it was probably something zeppelin it was either yeah. it, was, it was it was it had to be either zeppelin or hendrix knowing me Probably. Uh, I mean, I same. Uh, I was all about that shit. I think the second one was like, I did learn how to do like Star Spangled Banner pretty early yep. just because I was like, I don't fucking like this song, but like but Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix did it. So I <laughs> so I, I remember when I got my first guitar pedal, which was a DoD death metal distortion, which is the best distortion pedal on earth. Um, I uh, I learned that was when I decided to learn the Star Spangled Banner because Hendrix, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like all I cared about was playing guitar. Uh, eventually, I got a bass too. So uh, you know, as far as like bands, I think the first band that I had was um, I was in two bands in high school. One was, um, and they were both basically cover bands. Um, one was uh, called Strange Reaction, and we actually took that name because that was my dad's band's name when he was in high school, too. And I was like, oh. that's such a cool. It was just a badass name, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm still no, surprised that, that nobody's name. used it. Yeah. So um, we would cover. So the way that this worked was me and my buddy, were, I played guitar, he played bass. We were like the metal heads. We were like the, the rock kids. Nobody talked to us. We were losers. But the drummer and the singer were popular. So they sucked at their instruments, but they got people to come see us play at talent shows. They got us gigs at graduation parties. So, you know, we played like they wanted to cover Red Hot Chili Peppers and <laughs> shit. So we did. Um, and we wanted to cover some bands. Like yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> and we wanted to cover um, Led Zeppelin. And uh, so there was a talent show at school where we covered. Um, we did. Uh, oh fuck! What is that song? Oh oh um, are we are we playing Guess the Zep song? I'm trying to remember. No no, I'm not. I'm not trying to make you guess. I literally can't remember it. No, I mean this is this is like this takes me back to like when I was four and my dad would be like, "Hey, what's the Zeppelin song?" It was. It wasn't no, I, I no, I recognize the riff. But good now times, bad times. Okay, <laughs> it was that one. So we would cover good times, bad times. I would get up there and do the solo, and just like Jimmy Page, I'd stand on my fucking amp. I'd use a, a violin bow. I would do oh, the hell whole yeah. fucking thing. Hell yeah. it was oh, all about that. Misty Mountain Hop. That's first riff. First oh, riff I learned. One. Do, do, yeah, do, yeah. Do, do. That's a fun one. Yeah, well, because it was like riff. I had just gotten a guitar and I had just gotten an issue of like Guitar, guitar World. World. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I know you. And and that issue had like Misty Mountain Hop, and then like the like one fucking Pantera song because they're every issue of Guitar World has to have one yep. Pantera song. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, and like a couple others that I hadn't heard of, and I was like, all right, I'll get it for Misty Mountain Hop. That one, that one slaps. Uh, That's awesome. And I actually I hadn't appreciated that song as much before that. And so, like, now that's probably one of my favorite Zeppelin songs. That's funny. It's a good, it was definitely one of my favorite ones back in the day, too, because I was a bit of a hippie in high school. Mm. Um, I was, I, I, I was too. I was like, because I was like raised on like the classic rock stuff. Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, I was same. You yeah. know, in high school, I was like, yeah, like Zeppelin, Stones. Yep. Hendrix. I was a big Zappa fan. I was a huge Frank Zappa fan. I, tr- I tried getting more into. I feel like I'd appreciate it's him hard. more now. Yeah, it was it, it was what really got me into just like weird dissonant music and mm-hmm. like composing music as well because he was a composer. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, so we had this band. We'd play, you know, we so we would play that, and then we would go into uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know. And so I I loved <laughs> the garishness of it, and like I could rip I could rip that fucking guitar solo like Hell nothing. Yeah. And so after that band, uh, I joined another band that strictly did classic rock songs, and we had one original. Um, and you know can I, can I ask like the rundown like what's it what was the set oh yeah <laughs> just, totally. just out of morbid um, curiosity because it's what like, did we cover again. so we would yeah yeah no we did um hang on sloopy if you remember that song it's like from the 50s um, oh no I, that's not a very good one uh, <laughs> no. and we would it sounds play... like a bad that sounds like a joke song name yeah like if you were if you were making like a sketch for like a sketch comedy show and we're doing like a fake yep like commercial for a 50s album with fake names it was like hang, yeah, hang on shit. sloopy <laughs> it was it like... was shit we would do it was like a it was like a you know 50s garage rock like hey yeah that's it and then we did like um blep, blep. yeah exactly uh and then we did uh we covered um fuck uh godzilla by blue oyster cult oh hell yeah um, oh 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 that reminds me of uh, yes. something really cool happened when i was the listening to the your album earlier yeah. um because my dad was um like my parents are in the other room uh, yeah yeah spending the weekend with them um, nice but uh he was listening to the radio and like so i i couldn't hear when your music was yeah. playing but like when one song like faded out before the next one started like i just got a faint little like sample like to fill that silence of don't fear the reaper nice. and i was like i was like yo that actually fit really fucking well i could see that I yeah could totally i forget that. which hilarious. which tracks uh <laughs> let me, but yeah it was just song. like in between you know <laughs> so good. Uh, and i figured i actually figured like oh i should remember this <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. I love that. But yeah, it was just shit like that, like Freebird, you know. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Nothing, nothing super exciting, but stuff that had where I got to like do because I was the lead guitarist always, where I got to play cool solos and uh, and you know I was very much into blues rock, blues and blues rock. Um, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, lots of like Robert Johnson. Um, oh yeah, big big fan of Clapton back in the day. Uh, Buddy Guy, um, you know loved the chicago blues scene basically um and so yeah i mean i would that was it and like i when i was in my senior year of high school i ended up working at a record store like a old school vinyl record store mm-hmm. um that's when i really started like i was just con- i was reading everything i could i wanted to learn about every genre of music and like i would read tons of books I would pull records off the shelf, be like, I don't know what this is. Let's listen to this. I learned a lot from the guys that worked there about various different um, musicians and and scenes. And um, yeah, then like, you know, I went out when it was time to go off to college. I was like, well, I don't know like what to do because all I want to do is music. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, as I, so I also not to interrupt you, but like, so like I said, I also worked in a record store for, uh, for which one year uh planet records in harvard square yeah i know uh yeah yeah. love that place awesome that's very cool love to the the planet records crew yeah yeah. so like uh same deal like any any album that looked that i was just like because you know working there maybe you also got this feeling where it's like obviously there's more there than you could possibly listen to in a lifetime ever Uh, especially if you enjoy listening to music again like i do where i'm like that's a good song i'm gonna make time to listen to that later yeah um but like you know you just you hold something that comes in you're like just like looking at it and you're like this is one that i'm gonna throw on yeah i'm gonna check this out exactly you just get that feeling (laughs) i mean this guy literally was a record collector like he had so you've got the record store and then you've got the office and in the office there's a wall of shelves that were only things that he was selling online which is where all the money Mm -hmm. came from and this was like your super rare stuff i'm like beatles butcher album covers things like oh hell yeah yeah and then this so 
this store though was roughly i'd say a quarter of maybe even actually a lot less probably more like one seventh or one eighth of an old bowling alley you go in the back and it's basically what would happen if a bowling alley like was in like the last of us right just run down the floors caving in like oh wow it was entire like literally tables every inch was covered in tables with boxes of records yeah and it was often it was my job to go in there and organize and categorize and like and the records and i found preaching one the record, choir here <laughs> right and i found this record that was amazing and it's actually become my one of my favorite uh hold on let me find this one of my favorite things that i own here we go so it's this guy clutchy hopkins nobody knows who he is but he makes this really crazy cool trip hop like organic trip hop type stuff. But inside okay. that record, I found this. And the guy just said, here, take this record and own it. And it's yours. You can have it, right? I have no idea what it is. So what uh, this me... is, is, um, so I'll read this to you. Um, yeah, it's, please. <laughs> it's MF Doom meets Clutchy Hopkins. And so it says on the back, for promotional use only, not for sale, all instruments played by Clutchy, Ho Clutchy Hopkins and the Misled Children, all lyrics written by MF Doom, remixed by Rich Rock. Oh, so yeah. basically, this guy took his music, remixed it, and put old, like he repurposed existing acapellas of uh, MF Doom, put it on, it's is a CDR, and... Um, you can imagine, especially now, RIP MF Doom. This yeah, CD, just, yeah, just blanket RIP MF Doom for every CD, every yeah. interview I give. Every in interview the starts with that. <laughs> this thing is worth quite a bit of fucking money, but it's six tracks, and you can find it on YouTube. By the way, if you ever just search um, Clutchy okay. Hopkins MF Doom, it's adding a lot of my a lot to my to listen playlist. Yeah, today, that that's so kind of inevitable with, when you have conversations with me. Like if I find out that someone that I work with likes music, <laughs> like by the time I'm done with that conversation, <laughs> I've sent them a Spotify list. What I so I made a So that's uh, about where we're going to end um, episode one, part one. Um, please be on the lookout if you enjoyed this, because uh, in a couple of days I'll post uh, episode one, part two, uh, the second part of our interview with neuropathy, where we're going to go track by track through the definite.